Now, our first speaker is uh, Brother Marzen Beg, who many of you know. He's a former Guantanamo survivor. He's the outreach director of CAGE. Uh, he has been to more towns in the UK than I could even possibly ever think about or name, speaking about our work, really trying to raise awareness about um, what is taking place. And as an introduction to, uh, to Brother Marzum's talk, I want to read another lesson from Timothy Snyder's book. And that is, and this is lesson number 18. Snyder says, be calm when the unthinkable arrives. Modern tyranny is terror management. When the terrorist attack comes, remember that authoritarians exploit such events in order to consolidate power. The sudden disaster that requires the end of checks and balances, the dissolution of opposition parties, the suspension of freedom of expression, the right to a fair trial, and so on, is the oldest trick in the Hitlerian book. Do not fall for it. If anybody has lived through the Hitlerian trick, it's Brother Moazam, and I invite him to come up and speak. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altun sahla wa anta taj'al al-hazna idha shi'ta sahla. Brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakumullah khair to Asim for introducing me as when the unthinkable comes. Be afraid. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, an orange... Um, an orange man. And as you all know, in Guantanamo, we, the prisoners, were dressed in orange jumpsuits. And the color orange is the only thing that we have in common with Donald Trump. Because everything else is the entire opposite. Uh, we often talk about United States foreign policy based upon those people that have been elected by the United States electorate as one that is some ways bipolar. And what do I mean by this? People think on the face of it that prior to Donald Trump, you had the first election of a black man in the history of the United States of America, a country that has a history uh, that's very sordid in terms of the abuse of other people based upon how their perception is, their color, uh, and what their background is. In fact, one of the things that my lawyer first told me in Guantanamo, Clive Stafford Smith, he said, you know, the Americans, they have a view of black people. He said, when they look at black people, they detest them, they hate them as a nation, and the proof of that is slavery. And when they look at the Soviet Union or the Russians, they don't hate them, but they fear them. And so you had the buildup of the Cold War and all the weapons of mass destruction facing each other, and in the worst point, the Cuban Missile Crisis that could have led to World War III. He said, but when they look at Muslims, they fear them and they hate them. And that's evidenced in the war on terror and it's evidenced where you are right now because he told me this in Guantanamo. And so you see, this isn't just about Donald Trump. In fact, as Asim said correctly, he's just a manifestation of what's been going on over the past several decades. But I'm gonna tell you this story of uh, what Donald Trump is through the prism of the so-called war on terror. And Donald Trump has come to power based upon the opposite of what Obama said. He said that he wants to stop immigration. 
have a ban on people coming from certain Muslim countries, turn back America to what it's supposed to have been, make America great again, and so forth. And in addition to this, whilst we're kind of sleeping or not, or not concerned, the drone strike policy around the Muslim world that began um, with simply strikes on Afghanistan and Pakistan and extended then to Somalia and to Yemen and to now to Libya and to Syria has gone on. In other words, the killing of people without charge or trial continues by a country who detained, which detained people without charge or trial. The country that itself has as part of its constitution the Magna Carta. The Magna Carta is not part of the British constitution per se, but it was written here in 1215. And it is lauded as the most important institute of Britishness in this country, where the rule of law applies, where nobody's detained without charge or trial, except that they're judged by a court of their peers. The United States, however, has this part, um, part of their constitution. And yet the United States is the one that is primarily guilty of detaining people without charge or trial. But the first condition of this is, I made the reference to slavery. The first condition for you to be a prisoner in Guantanamo is what? The very first condition. Is it that you have to be a terrorism suspect? No, because there are no members of the real IRA there, or the continuity IRA there, or the Tamil Tigers there, or Michigan militia, or a whole host of other far-right organizations or individuals that have carried out bombings and killings across Europe or America. So the first criteria isn't that you have to be a terrorism suspect. The first criterion is that you must be a Muslim. You must. That's the first. The second criterion is that you're a terrorism suspect. And why is that important? Because it was during the Bush administration when they launched the war on terror and said you're either with us or, or against us or with the terrorists, a whole series of nations complied with and were complicit with the United States of America. And a great number, in fact, the majority that was involved in the renditions program were Muslim nations. Pakistan, Afghanistan, Morocco, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Mauritania. The list is, goes on and on and on. You can mention so many countries, Muslim countries like Azerbaijan that was involved in the renditions process. Indonesia involved in the renditions program. Malaysia involved in the renditions program. The intelligence services of almost every country you can think of from the Muslim world involved in interrogating or abusing prisoners in Guantanamo and beyond. They were all complicit. And that it's important that we remember that America couldn't have done this alone. It had many accomplices in this crime. And if you'll remember in the early days, they refused to say, refused to accept that what was happening was torture. Remember this. They said clearly that all of these prisoners that are from around the world, from China to Europe and everything in between, that these prisoners all read the Al-Qaeda manual, the Manchester manual, in which it states that if you're captured by a Western country, you must claim that you were tortured. Because in Western nations that uphold the rule of law and where torture is a crime, it's going to damage them. So you must do this. They claimed that we were at all memorized this and were practicing it. And they continued to do so up until very recently. And so under the Bush, under the Bush administration, you'll remember, the most senior legal advisors, can you imagine, the most powerful lawyers, the attorneys general, gave the advice to the government, to Bush, that if it isn't, if it isn't organ failure or death, it's not torture.
That's why and how you can take a medieval practice like water, waterboarding, which in Spanish is called tortura del agua, torture of the water, and actually say, no, it's not torture. And you've crafted very cleverly through your legal teams and said, we do not torture. We uphold the rule of law. And all you do is change the meaning and the goalposts and never accept. So when Obama comes, here's the, here's the, uh, the master play. Remember, it's the same administration. It's the same CIA in operat operative regardless. He comes along and he says on his campaign trail, we will close Guantanamo. We will put an end to torture. We will bring back to America its standing in the world community. These are all, as Allah says, They say upon their tongues that's not within their hearts. And so what does he do? He institutes this policy while all along, he says, we tortured some folks and the, that torture even led to the rise of ISIS. He admitted that it was an unintended consequence, the torture was. Nonetheless, he puts in this um, immunity that anybody that's involved in the torture of these people will be immune from prosecution. Now think about this, he's a constitutional lawyer. He knows that torture and false imprisonment are war crimes, serious war crimes but he says nobody will get prosecuted. And that's why and how the next president of the United States can come along and say, I believe torture works. If I was able to, I would waterboard and a lot more. Bearing in mind that Obama accepted and recognized that torture did take place. In 2014, the United States Senate published a report, imagine this, imagine you committed a serious crime, then you did a report about it and said, oh, yes, I'm coming clean, I did do it. The United States Senate did this. They published this report, listed 119 individuals they'd tortured, which was just the tip of the iceberg, and that was it. An exercise in transparency and openness, no prosecutions for war crimes. And that is how Trump can stand today with all of his partners, all of his accomplices, including Britain, and say that torture works, I would waterboard a lot more, and in fact, at the beginning of this year, he signs an order, putting a stamp of approval on everything he said. I say what I believe, and I believe what I say, and Guantanamo will remain open. That's what he's told the world. He's made this decision clearly. On the way here uh, from Birmingham, we saw a whole cavalcade of vehicles, of armored vehicles and police and so forth. And we were, it was obvious it was Trump passing us. When we were coming into here just now, again, we saw um, Chinook-type aircraft. I mean, bigger than Chinooks. And all of this is a show and a demonstration of imperial hubris, of arrogance, of this is what we can do and we will do and continue to do, and you can do nothing about it because an orange man is in power. And because our leaders, our leaders here, uh, um, Theresa May or whoever deigns to meet this man, and this is, remember, just one aspect, the endorsement, this man endorses war crimes, just so that you understand that the types of people that used waterboarding in the past are from Pinochet in um, Chile, the Khmer Rouge who carried out 
more killings than Hitler did in, in, uh, in, uh, uh, after the Vietnam War. Hitler himself and a whole series of other people, including ISIS, were waterboarding their captives. And this man is the one who endorses it. So this is where we are today in 2018. We have our, uh, our government welcoming him, our, uh, our, our um, establishment welcoming this man. And that's why it's so important for us as Muslims primarily, because the effects of what's been going on throughout the war on terror began with Bush, continued with Obama, and is now implemented as policy with um, Trump remains, and that's why we must stand up against it, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Salam. Jazakallah khair, Muazzam. I think, you know, that's a really useful starting point for us to think about um, this evening, because, you know, what he's really done is shown us that there is a um, kind of a worldwide impunity taking place in relation to, you know, how um, torture, how abuse, how war is, is prosecuted. And, you know, sometimes we're left with the feeling there's nothing that we can really do about it. But, inshallah, by the end of the evening, we will give the exact opposite message, bi'adhanillah. Our next speaker is uh, Dr. Salman Butt, uh, who has a doctorate in bio.